Welcome to the Binge Your Bum podcast with Ellen Sherman and Gillian Gordon. She's great in it, I think. I even enjoyed watching him when he was in scenes with her. So we have visitors. Welcome. Welcome to Binge Your Bum, our podcast. And, and here's Ellen Sherman, talented writer, producer, actress. Oh, thank you so much. And you, you talented in your own way. Tell the, tell the, tell the crowd. <laughs> I don't know anymore, actually, uh, but... As I said, I'm a very good babysitter and a concierge. Coming up, The Miracle from Italy, which can be seen on Prime and Sky Atlantic. Who Murdered Sarah, a Mexican production, which is on Netflix. And on AMC, Dark Winds, an American production. In The Miracle... We are start off in the hideout of a mafioso whose hideout is in Rome someplace. In the midst of his hideout is a small, very unobtrusive statue of the of the Virgin. Very typical. However, what's not typical is that this Virgin Mary is bleeding from the eyes and will not stop. Now, what could bring the world even closer to chaos or provide something to save us all? And that would be a miracle such as this. In the course of the miracle... We meet four sets of people that, to begin with, are grappling each with their own everyday crises. There's a young progressive prime minister who is facing uh, turmoil and knowing not what to do exactly with his government. A do-gooder priest who is now failing in a struggle against addictions to sex and gambling and any other sin that seems to come his way. And he's looking for any kind of sign to lead him back on the right path. And there's also a young female hematologist who is tending to her dying mother, and she'll do anything to restore her mother's health. Then a relic is found in the hideout of this gangster. It's brought to a, a military guy. He doesn't know exactly what to do with it. So he's, you know, initially he stores it at the bottom of an empty army swimming pool. In the course of a small amount of time, these people all find their way to the swimming pool and witness what none of them can explain, which is this Madonna that is weeping. Uh, It's human blood, it turns out, too. Yeah. Which, you know, is extraordinary. And they need to get to the bottom of where where the blood comes. But I don't forget that one of the really, I think the best part of the series is the story of the prime minister's wife. She's a really complicated character, which who, who has wild random sex at parties, does not behave the way a prime minister's wife should behave. The point is the miracle instigates something, but it isn't the, the be-all of the whole, the whole series. On the other hand, what the miracle does for the people that encounter it is that they all have to make decisions in their life that they were not prepared to make or did not know that they were going to have to make about what to do when confronted with this miracle. And on a political viewpoint, what is this politician, the prime minister of Italy, a very Catholic country? What do you do with what seems to be a true miracle? I mean, he's afraid of a, of a you know, the country, you know, completely going crazy because, of course, he's a rational man. You know, he doesn't believe in miracles. Basically, as we go through the episodes of this series, we're going to see all these people, um, their varying needs and wants being confronted by this extraordinary event. But I think it's also you're talking about their belief because a lot of them, you know, nobody believes in these miracles. But as they get more and more involved, except for the priest who turns out to be the most corrupt priest that ever walked the planet, 
This is a really sophisticated series because it really looks at people's belief. And it really also looks at superstition. And of course, at the bottom of all of this is a really, it really indicts the superstition of the Roman Catholic Church. I felt like I was watching a major motion picture made by Visconti or something. I mean, it is so beautifully done. It is so beautifully shot. The locations are incredible. The acting is impeccable. I mean, it it is, it's one of the most complicated things I think I've ever seen on television. Yeah. But, but because each of the characters has its, has their own developed story. And so for instance, at some point you just ride along into this debauched world of, of the priest that's lost his way. I found myself lost there. I I wasn't that interested to continue to go along with him. He's a difficult character. He's a very, very unattractive character. And I think that it's an uncomfortable piece of work. So maybe it's not for everybody. Oh, if you want to, you know, kick back and walk watch a Jack Reacher series, this is not going (laughs) to be this is not going to be everybody. You know, if you if you like Gamora, you know, Matteo Garone's series, or if you like, like, well, for that matter, want, like The Sopranos, I think, you know, it has a, a lot of complexity and is really worth looking at. Also, there's, there's some side currents that go along with uh, trying to find out where this blood comes from, which I thought was interesting, but a, a little distracting. Still and all, I, I feel it's, you know, it, it's something that one should watch, but as you said, with caveats you have to you have to know what you're getting into it's worth it's worth diving into it for a first episode and seeing if that takes you along what do you think so yeah. i say it's a binge although it's complicated and it takes a little getting into i think at the end of the day this is really a worthwhile series and i was i was happy that i stuck with it so for me binge By the way, when are you coming back to New York? Next week. Next week. Welcome home. Welcome back <laughs> to uh, Gotham. Can't wait. Can't wait to get home. But but um, you know, it's really fun to be in LA. I'm visiting some old haunts. Uh, my favorite funky bar uh, and restaurant, uh, Shea J, down near the Santa Monica Pier. Uh, some of you may remember it from Goliath, that wonderful TV series with Billy Bob Thornton. It's where he used to hang out and. Uh, you know, weep into his glass. So this uh, is like, used, a, it's like a Tom Waits kind of bar, it sounds like. No, no, no. It, it's a little chicer than that. It's sort of surf and turf. I don't know what it's like anymore because I haven't actually been in it because it looks, it looks like it's been closed. I know COVID cast yeah. a bad spell on a lot of places, so I don't even know whether it's open. I think it's open. But I, I'm there. I want to be there. I'm there. I'm so okay. there. I'm having a, and I'm having a martini. Billy Bob is just a couple of, <laughs> couple of seats, stools away from me. Next, Quien Mato a Sara, or Who Killed Sarah? Who Killed Sarah, which is a Mexican television series and available on Netflix, is for me a telenovela on steroids. It has all the glitz and the glamour of a Mexican version of a souped up succession, but also positions itself as a murder mystery. So you get everything you possibly want in one series. The whole series has one pivotal event. It's the murder of Sarah, a provocative, 
probably 20-something girl. She's not wealthy, but she's killed in a parasailing event at a glam lakeside resort owned by her mega-rich boyfriend, Rodolfo Lascano, whose family seems to own everything everywhere within like a 500-mile radius. But Sarah's brother, Alex, watched the episode happen along with a group of close friends who were, you know, all part of the life of this very rich family. But the police decide that his sister's death was no accident. And though innocent of any wrongdoing, Alex takes the responsibility for the accident and serves time in jail, a deal which has been manipulated by the patriarch of the Los Canos to save his own son. And Alex is paid well for this. But at the beginning of Who Murdered Sarah, Alex is released from jail, jumpstarts his search to discover what actually happened about Sarah's death. And even when he discovers the real culprit, that knowledge only opens up more mysteries and deceptions revolving around the super powerful Los Canos. So this is a series that goes on for, what, four seasons so far that I think? At Um, least. At least. And there is, just when you thought there was nothing more that they could add to the series as far as family dysfunction I I, lo- I loved this series and I hated it at the same time. A lot of people like the show. You know, Who Killed Sarah has claimed the number one spot for the most streamed show for several weeks in the United States. So, wow. so I mean, that's just the United States, not to mention uh, Latin America. And so, you know, it, it has its following. Uh, it, it has also quite a few logic problems, I would say. <laughs> right. Lots of energy, lots of good performances, incredible production values and it's refreshing to see a show from from mexico with this great cast isn't it i think that everybody was doing their damnedest to deliver Mm -hmm. a good performance i think the actors were all trying the writers and the showrunners were trying to be righteous there is a actually quite a nice portrayal one of the uh, uh, siblings in the super rich family happens to be gay something that his mother can't stand and his father sort of can't stand as well, but his mother particularly in this over-the-top series that this portrayal of what it would be like to be the gay son of this very rich family was very sensitive. So when you thought everything was a little bit over-the-top and broad, all of a sudden there were characters in there that were very sympathetic and very beautifully drawn. I did have a problem with any time the plot was flagging, they managed to bring in another secret relative, that somebody that was related to this family, related to somebody in the story that you had no idea it was a stepsister, it was a half-sister, it was a errant cousin. So I found that was a little bit too convenient. I don't know how to And do- also there's a lot of flashbacks. I mean, the thing that bothers me, what I really don't like, and I would criticize other shows like, you know, The Old Man, same problem. They have flashbacks to them when they're young or other young actors playing them. I'm not confused by flashbacks. I understand they're a very simple editorial technique. So okay. I found that the flashbacks were a problem. I, I, I don't, I think that they were too, you know, they were too explicit or they tried to explain too much or they made me feel like stupid. And that's what annoyed me about the show. It had that, as you say, telenovela quality and there's lots of violence in it. So if you're if you don't like violence, you're not going to go for it too. The, the central character is intriguing because he's someone who is trying to clear his name, but he does the way that he goes about doing it is certainly pretty dark. 
if you want to go f- along for the ride, then you have to suspend disbelief as to as to the logic of how you know of how they get to where they're going. He was accused of killing his sister, causing his sister's death. I mean, it's a sort of manslaughter. And now, then he gets out, and now he's going to avenge the death. I mean, that's pretty straightforward stuff, isn't it? And in season three, we find out who killed his sister, and so what happens now is that they have to sort of dredge up from the backstories of all of these characters, another reason for us all to keep on watching. And I found those plot lines and those stories weaker than the first the first three seasons. So, you know, it, it depends on how what your tolerance is for just splashy, fun, you know, lovely adventure into the lives of the rich and famous. What do you think, Benjamin Bomb? I for me it's a bomb. Although it is very addictive viewing, I understand why it has been so successful. Um, And I think, as I said, it was very well done, but it's not for me. It was just a tad too much like watching a train wreck. You couldn't take your eyes away. Is it like Sky Rojo? Is it like Money Heist? No, that's five hand claps. And yet, do I feel like it's a bomb? No. I would give it a, you know, a kind of a binge. Next up, Dark Winds. Dark Winds is set in Gallup, New Mexico in 1971, where two Navajo police officers are forced to confront their own past and spiritual beliefs while investigating what seem to be two unrelated crimes. In the first, a helicopter is the getaway vehicle for a bank robbery, and the chopper appears to be flying off onto tribal lands, indicating that the Native Americans were probably the culprits. In another, there's the murder of a teenage girl in a motel room, which is a crime witnessed by her blind grandmother, who is also a healer. It will turn out that the murders and the robbery are related, but the crimes are being perpetuated by fellow Navajos with an agenda of their own. Complicating the matters is also that Officer Joe Leaphorn, who is dealing with the tragedy of his own son's recent death and that of his son's girlfriend. Lee Porn's new partner, Jim Chi, a young Navajo policeman, seems to be keeping secrets of his own and ones he seems to just share with a local FBI agent who has very suspicious motives. We're not quite sure what his agenda is, certainly for quite a while. I really was uh, hooked into this series. What about you? Well, I mean, I'm I'm completely fascinated by the territory. I mean, it is based on Lee Porn and Chi book series by Tony Hillerman. So one of the other interesting things about Dark Winds is that the executive producer is Robert Redford. And apparently he purchased the film rights to the books, which are two stories, I think, in 1988. And it took him this long mm. uh, to get people to get behind him because nobody wanted to to have a full cast of Native Americans. Finally, I guess he got AMC to greenlight uh, the series. I thought Zan McLaren was absolutely riveting and finally has got a part that deserves him and his Mm -hmm. talent. It's a gripping uh, mystery. Honestly, it felt old-fashioned to me. It felt like I don't know, an 80s or 90s show. It it didn't quite have a kind of the the level of sophistication we've seen in Yellowstone or True Detective. And what made it not dated for me was the Joe Lee porn character. You know, I found that him and his wife 
brought it into 2022. I think this series represents something at long last, which is a very exciting uh, series, which is mostly, I think most of the cast is uh, not all Navajo. And I know there's been a lot of criticism about the series because it isn't all Navajo actors and some of the accents apparently are a bit are a bit dodgy. Yeah. And it's interesting that the co-creator, Chris Ayer, is a member of the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes. And I thought that, you know, that we're seeing crew members, we're seeing cast, finally really, really means a lot to me. However, there are some, as you said, it feels a bit old fashioned. And a bit self-aware. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, it just felt a little self-aware. And then they did that thing again, which, you know, obviously, you know, I have a thing about flashbacks, which is I don't like, I don't, I think we're all sophisticated enough. We don't need to be told. So we have a desaturated flashbacks. So that didn't bother me so much. What did bother me was what I thought was the old hat plot line of yeah it's the, like an old of, it's like an old cop show in you know, a way the, of, right of the, you know of yeah. I knew from the beginning almost from the minute that you know the character did that young new cop that was coming in was an fbi agent you know undercover fbi agent oh instantly uh, yeah. you know I, I don't think he's as good an actor, yeah. quite frankly. Also, no, Kiowa Gordon is who played him, and then I, but I love Jessica. Matt, I think Jessica Manton, I think, is Canadian. Uh, I think she was the one who played the amazing, uh, side, you know, sidekick. Oh, I thought, she, and she, she's a really interesting character. And again, we're talking about, you know, superstition. We're talking about belief. I don't know how to say this. I I am slightly bothered by the idea of this sort of witchcraft, which, you know, okay, shamanism, yes. Witchcraft, no. I don't know whether that is accurate at all. Moving through this first season, uh, what did you think? I think Dark Wind is exciting because it there's some very good characters in it for me it wasn't a hundred percent critical success i i feel that there were a lot of weaknesses um from a storytelling particularly perspective but also in terms of some of the depiction of the characters so i would give it a binge because i actually will watch this the next season which is coming up in 2023 so i'm going to say binge but like just barely binge And what do you think, Ellen? I'm really right on board with you. I feel that there was a lot to recommend it and a lot that was flawed, but I would definitely be right there for a second season. So I'm going to give it a qualified, but a binge. That's our show for this week. And we want you to be in touch with us because we want to hear from you. What you love? What, what, yeah. what else do we want to hear from them? I don't know. Yeah, well, we love what you hate or if you've got some great ideas for us, watch. please get in touch. Uh, bingeyourbomb at gmail.com. And also follow us on Instagram. So next week, we have a really full show. We're going to be bringing you a Israeli political thriller called Prisoners of War. And it is the series upon which Homeland was based. And it's an extraordinary series. And also, bad series. Sisters, the fantastic noir comedy uh, by Sharon Horgan set in Ireland. And what else we've and, got? Uh, and, and Tehran, which is yet another political thriller and set in, guess where? Tehran. Yeah, um, created <laughs> by the people who did Fauda, which we all loved. Yes. And we look forward to having you check in with us next week. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm.